Gracious Father, uh, you are high king above all. You answer to no one. As the scriptures tell us, you are everlasting to everlasting. That you are all-powerful, almighty, holy, holy, holy God of all. And Father, thank you for the gift of music, for the gift of song, to be able to communicate that back to you as we are truly in all of you. Uh, we thank you for your word, which is timeless, which is true to us even today in 2023, uh, that we need not look anywhere else to know the answers to life's questions, no matter what they may be. Uh, you have made your word that way so that it is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to accomplish what you send it forth to do. And so, Father, we thank you for that, and as we study here in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, just as we just begin to understand these diverse gifts that your Son has given, uh, may we uh, be encouraged uh, for everyone who is exercising their spiritual gift, and for anyone here this morning that maybe doesn't know what their spiritual gift is or does not uh, exercise it, that today would be a day of, of commitment or recommitment. Uh, to you, um, because these gifts are important. Uh, they have a design. Uh, they are your workmanship. Uh, and so, Father, we pray that we would understand that, see that, and apply it today. In Jesus' name, amen. We can open up your Bibles uh, again to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, by way of review, for uh, since it's been a couple weeks since we uh, first talked in, in this next New section of chapter 4 that begins in verse 7 where it says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Um, we can see here that that, that was a transitional uh, section because before that we talked about the unity of the body of Christ. Uh, as you remember, we talked about there being one body and one spirit, just as we were called to one hope that belongs to your call. Uh, reading in verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And we have this transition from this unity, this oneness in what we believe uh, that is based in the uh, revealed word of God. This is not the, uh, uh, the uh, wisdom of men. Uh, this is theology. This is the study of God. Uh, and the, the way that we study God is not a God of our own making. It is the God that has revealed himself through his word, uh, which is uh, uh, able to make us wise not only to salvation, but also to help us to know how we should live in this world. And so this oneness that we have in our faith uh, is paralleled to this diversity of gifts that God gives for the church. Uh, and we're going to find out this morning that every believer in Jesus Christ, everyone seated here this morning, has a gift. Uh, and there's some preliminary considerations that we're going to take in relation to looking at this gift. But know that as we look at the church, uh, that we are not a social club, we are not a civic club, we are not just here for the fellowship. God has so ordained as he has uh, designed his bride, which is the church, to have an impact uh, on one another, but also uh, to go out from there. To remember that we are tools in the hands of the master craftsman 
who is building a God-glorifying, God-worshipping, God-exalting, and God-adoring family of God. Uh, That's why we are here. Uh, This is why we have come together this morning to worship God, who is over all. And if you remember last time, we took a look at this grace that was given to each one of us, uh, that is measured according to Christ's gift, that you remember we look and drew a parallel to Psalm 68, which Paul quotes uh, in that, those verses that we looked at last time. Uh, and it was to highlight Christ's victory as we looked at Psalm 68 and saw God's victory over his enemies, uh, physical enemies. Uh, Paul quotes out of that Psalm in order for us to see that Christ, uh, as the Son of God taking on flesh, had victory over our greatest enemy, which is not physical, but is spiritual. Uh, And that is death itself, the result of our sin against a holy God. And so we looked at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, as we took a look at the, the gift that Christ has given to us. In Psalm 68, it talked as a, you know, triumphant leader over a physical battle receiving gifts from men, where we see Christ, who is triumphant in battle because he has defeated his enemy, which is Satan himself and death itself, uh, and shown his victory over that in the spiritual realm. And he gave the gift of himself, which is the best gift we could ever have. Because apart from Christ's gift, we'd still be dead in our trespasses and sins, not part of God's family, receiving the just deserts the just wages of our sin before God. So what did Jesus do? He gave the gift of himself, but he also gave the gift of his spirit because when he left, he didn't leave us unaware. He didn't leave us to flounder in our faith as if we just try and figure it out as we go along. He left the spirit of God. Actually, he sent the spirit of God, as it told us in John 16, 7. So they gave the gift of himself, gave the gift of the spirit, And that springs boards into these gifts of the Spirit that are meant as gifts to be ministering in the church of God. And so before we actually take and look at these gifts, I want us to take a look back at chapter 2 of Ephesians. Because I'd like to highlight a verse that I think helps us understand the significance of these gifts, the significance of service one to another, to be servants of one another. And you know verses 8 and 9 probably quite well and can quote them, but oftentimes we stop there and miss out on what continues in that thought that by grace we've been saved through faith, and this is not of our own doing, but is a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one can boast. It goes on to say in verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, to understand the good works which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, we need to see God's workmanship. And so permit me for a few moments this morning uh, to consider this workmanship. And I'll get caught up here in the slides so that we're all on the same page. There we are. The first aspect of God's workmanship is seen through creation. Now, I know we keep going back to the book of Genesis right now in the adult Sunday school where uh, at least one of the the classes is is talking about uh, the book of Genesis and going back to the beginning. 
But see, the book of Genesis lays out for us the whole reason why we are here. Because in the beginning, God. It, it lays out for us everything in relation to why there is hurt and evil in the world. Because Adam and Eve sinned against a holy God by doing the one thing that God told them not to do, and that was to eat of the tree. But we can see God's workmanship. We can see that there was design, that there was order in everything that God did. And that is the foundation for what we're going to see and, and show us the importance of what is going to be those good works which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, we see God's workmanship because in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says that he created man in his own image. Male and female, he created them. And we also know from Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, that man became a living creature or a living soul, separating mankind out from the rest of creation. The only one that has an eternal soul is man. Mankind, women, children, everyone born, everyone created in the image of God, which includes everyone ever created, going all the way back to the beginning, has a, an eternal soul. We can see God's workmanship evidenced, highlighted, and shining forth, even though we know when we go back to the very beginning is when Adam and Eve sinned against God. Marring that workmanship, marring that image. An image that is not completely irreconcilable because of what was yet to come, which brings us to the second workmanship, and that is seeing God's workmanship through salvation. Because he provided a way by which man could be forgiven of his trespasses forgiven of his sins, which it tells us in Ephesians 2, 5, that even when we were dead in our trespasses, uh, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you've been saved. See, there's design. Salvation is not just what we think it should be. It's what God designed it to be. Anytime that we deviate from what God has told us in the scriptures, then we make a God of our own making. We mar what was perfect in all of its glory, that the Son of God would take on flesh and dwell among us, that he would live a perfect life as the, the sinless Lamb of God and offer himself as that once-for-all sacrifice. Knowing, as it tells us in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, that we were ransomed from our futile ways, inherited from our forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold. So in other words, you can't buy your way, you cannot buy your salvation using things that are tangible that we have at our disposal, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So we can see God's workmanship, his design in salvation. But it doesn't stop there. We can also see God's workmanship through sanctification, which is that process by which God makes us holy as he is holy, a practical holiness, if you will. John 17 in uh, Christ's sermon, or uh, high priestly prayer says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. 
See, God's workmanship is even seen not only in created us in his image, giving us an eternal soul, not only in providing the only way of salvation in Jesus Christ, but also continuing that great work which he started, which includes taking us from being dead in our trespasses and sins and making us alive in Christ so that the truth of God can continue to inform our minds, can continue to inform our speech, can continue to inform our actions in such a way that we become Christ-like. We also know from Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29, that uh, we know for those who love God, that all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined for what? To be conformed to the image of his son. See, that's the work of sanctification, conforming us to the image of God's son so that everything that we think, say, and do is in light of this new life, this being born again, so that we are different from the rest of the world. But you can see God's handprint, his thumbprint, him working, his workmanship. It's perfect. It's beautiful in creation, in salvation, in sanctification, but also in the fourth thing, which is what we're going to be spending the next couple of weeks looking at, and that is God's workmanship seen through service. Now, you may think that, you know, as you come to church, well, I didn't sign up for that. Well, the thing is, as one who has been bought and paid for, as one who belongs to God and not to yourself, this is an issue of being signed up for anything or feeling as though you are obligated to serve in some capacity or to use a spiritual gift for the benefit of the body. This is a response to what God has done. This is in response to what God has changed inside. Knowing that, as it says in Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Because God has given us a new focus, a new direction. He has taken his workmanship, which started in our creation, that stepped into our salvation, that stepped into our sanctification, so that we would be profitable for a particular thing, for a particular purpose, and that is to serve one another in this local body of believers. So if you're here this morning, and as you think about, well, how has God gifted me? You may be using your gift already. But there may be some of you say, well, what are you talking about? You mean I got a gift? I don't remember getting a gift. Well, guess what? You did. And we're going to see that this morning. So before we actually take a look at uh, verses you know, 11 and following of chapter 4, what I would like to do is spend the rest of our time this morning considering what I would say are preliminary considerations of this diversity of gifts so that we can understand how important it is that we not misuse, misrepresent, or hoard this gift for ourselves, because the gift is actually meant for a, a bigger and grander purpose. So the specific gifts which we're going to be looking at over uh, multiple weeks here are found in Romans chapter 12, uh, as well as 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but also here, right in our text in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, which says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, which we'll start unpacking next time. 
But there are three aspects that I want you to see about this giftedness that God graces upon each and every believer, each and every son and daughter of God. Because there's a particular purpose in it. Just like there was workmanship in creation, it wasn't an accident, there was design, there was purpose. Just like in salvation, there was workmanship. That there could only be one way by which God could redeem those that were under the law, who are guilty of trespassing God's law. Just as there's workmanship in God sanctifying us and showing us how his word can inform and teach and lead us and guide us and be applicable in our lives today, but also that workmanship that actually gives us the ability to not just think about ourselves. Because that's what characterized us before Christ. And it doesn't mean you can't find somebody that is you know, willing to do things that are selfless, that is not a believer in Jesus Christ. People can do selfless acts. People have done that for our country. People that don't even know someone giving their life. So that is capable of happening. But what I'm talking about here in relation to this, this is an act out of love because of what God has done in relation to saving you and seeing that it's bigger than just you. It's not me, myself, and I. It's God working in and through you for his glory and for the benefit and the, the, the beauty of his church in the world. So the first thing is that it is a perfect gift. You'll notice in verse 11, it starts out by saying, and he gave. That's the only three words we're going to look at in verse 11. And he gave. See, the thing is, your spiritual gift is not based in, you know, what you're good at, not in the skills that you've acquired. The spiritual gift you have, you have because Christ gave it to you. And the thing is, is you keep in mind as Christ gave this gift to you, that it is divinely given. I don't search and seek out a particular gift and say, that's the gift I want. I don't have any choice in the matter. God has gifted me in a particular way, and I'm supposed to use that gift for God's glory. And know this, because of who God is, because we know his attributes, that he is holy, so he is perfect in all of his ways, and he is good in all of his ways, and he is the one who gives good gifts. So your spiritual gift is a good gift. And we're going to find out that it's specifically tailored to you. That's right. And it's tailored for you to use, not for your own benefit, but for the benefit of others. It's holy because God is holy. It's good because God is good. And the thing is, is God doesn't give incomplete gifts. And some of you may be saying, is that, well, God you know, did not give me the gift of. Well, see, the thing is, is you're going to find is that you're not isolated to one particular aspect of one particular gift, and that is your gift. Which really brings us to the second point. Not only is it a perfect gift, it is a tailored gift. You know, Think of it in light of this for, you know, anyone or any of the ladies that maybe got fit for an outfit for maybe a wedding dress or for a particular outfit to be in a wedding or something that's tailored just to fit you. Men, you know, it's the, you know, not the rented tuxedo. It's the one that you actually spend the money to buy a suit and it's tailored to fit you. 
Hopefully your body stays the same so that it stays tailored to fit you. But think of it in light of that. It's just as you can have clothes tailored to fit you, God has tailored a spiritual gift to fit you. It's specifically for you, and no one else has the same giftedness that you do. You may say, well, wait a minute, isn't there a list of gifts? Doesn't, you know, uh, so-and-so have this gift, and I have that same gift? Well, yes, in light of that particular aspect of that gift, but they're not you. See, God doesn't erase your identity when he gives you a gift. And so the first thing is, is that it's not a cookie-cutter gift. You know, you've made Christmas cookies, and, you know, every time you press the mold in there, there's another tree, there's another angel, there's another thing, and you can just keep cutting those cookies, and they're all going to look the same. That's not how the spiritual gifts are done. It's not a cookie-cutter gift. God tailored a specific gift for you for a particular purpose. Because remember, it's God's workmanship. He didn't just hodgepodge and throw something together and throw it at you and hope something sticks. He tailored it for you. Just as Jesus Christ shed his blood for you in salvation, just as the Holy Spirit leads you in that work of sanctification, just as God created you in his image, that workmanship is seen there, his handprint, his molding and shaping as the master craftsman, as the the potter with the clay. God has tailored a particular gift for you. So turn over to Romans chapter 12. We're going to pick a couple verses out of here, and we'll be looking at the different spiritual gifts in the weeks to come as we kind of start in Ephesians, but then go to Romans, and then also go to 1 Corinthians. Romans chapter 12 because I want you to see this, this individual gifting and what it's based in. I'll begin reading in verse 3 of chapter 12. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So notice, there's a grace given and God has assigned based off of a measure of faith that he has given. All right, what for? Verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And we'll stop there. So notice... It's based in a grace that's given from God. It's based in a measure of faith that is given of God. So again, there's the workmanship. There's the masterpiece that God is doing in giving this tailored gift to you. Because not all of us have the same function. Because God's going to give each and every one of us at a particular time in our lives exactly what we need in order for that individual gift to be a blessing to a particular body. You know, as you look at the church and you, you see, even in the six years I've been here, I've watched the faces and the families change. So when someone ends up leaving Ellington Baptist Church, does that mean that all of a sudden we are at a disadvantage because that particular gift is gone? Well, see, the thing is, is that we have to remember who builds God's church. 
Does the programs build God's church? Does the people build God's church? Or does God build his church? See, the thing is, is that your particular gift that he has tailored for you may be something that he is, begins tailoring and you haven't realized the full capacity to which God's going to use you in that particular area. Because you may, say, have the gift of encouragement. But along with that encouragement, you also are a, a servant and you know, enjoy being able to set up and take down chairs and to prepare for a senior social that will happen after church today. See, the thing is, is that God tailors, not giving you just one isolated gift all by itself that is cookie cutter. And so if you're an encourager, you're an encourager, and that's it. Because sometimes he pulls other things from other gifts to show that God is going to tailor you so that the church may be built up, so that the church may grow. So that even when people come and go from Ellington Baptist Church, for whatever reason, doesn't matter, that God is going to, 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 to supply and to raise up, maybe even through people that are already there, not exercising the gift in that particular aspect. You know, maybe taking you outside of your comfort zone. You know, I was given a gifting at age five. Did I know that it was going to be in 2023 that I would be preaching the word of God? No. At age five, did I go around, you know, starting to preach to people? You know, I may have told my brother what to do, but I didn't go around preaching. But God used people, mentors, Sunday school classes, the preaching of the word of God, going on missions trips, all those things to continue to mold and shape me so that the gifting that was tailored specifically for me could be used by God through the spirit for a particular purpose at a particular time in a particular place. No matter where I am. And I've been in Maryland, I've been in Illinois, I've been in Alaska, and now I'm in Connecticut. And I'd say that my gifting has matured. Maybe not as much as everybody else would like it, but that's on you, not me. I'm not perfect, but God through me, and me being willing to surrender to God so that my gift can be used for his glory, watch out. Notice that it says in verse 5, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So that means that you are individually a member for me, just like I am for you. See, the thing is, is that we are interdependent upon one another. We are members of one body. Whether people come and go, again, it's still God's church. He is the one that builds it. When that church honors and glorifies God through the, the singing of his praises and the proclamation of his word, when church is done to glorify God, then God moves and God works through each one of us individually because we belong to one another. You belong to me and I belong to you. That's how God has set it up, which is completely opposite of who we were before Christ. Again, me, myself, and I, it's all about me. doesn't mean you can't do things outside of yourself, but there's always the possibility of some sort of you know, stipulation or agenda or something along those sorts. Because ultimately, we love looking out for ourselves, whether that's guarding or you know, taking. But see, that's not how it is in, in the body of Christ. 
We're actually here. We belong to one another because we have gifts that differ according to the grace that has been given to us by God because it's God's gift. He tailored it just for you. So turn forward to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is the other passage where we have the specific gifts. Notice the cohesiveness of Scripture here. There's not two different messages. Paul just says it a little bit differently to help us understand. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 4. He says, Now there are variety of varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So who's doing the empowering? God is. Who is the one from whom the variety of gifts, service, and activities come from? God. See, it's not based on, this is the gift I want. Oh, I'd much rather have that gift because that, the gift that, that, that I think I have, I really don't like it. It makes me feel uncomfortable. It, it takes me outside my comfort zone. See, yeah, that's the flesh talking. Got to remember who, whose gift it is and who empowers the gift. God does. So he can change even the most rough around the edges individual, speaking of myself, and give me a heart and a joy in proclaiming the word of God. Verse 11 in that same chapter 12, it says, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So whose will is it that these gifts go forth? God's will. Again, because it's God's church. And because God is doing a miraculous work in showing that work of regeneration, not only for salvation, not only for sanctification, but also for service making it so that we have the ability to be a blessing to somebody else as they are a blessing to you because we belong one to another. Jump down to verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as who chose? And who's the he? God. So we don't cherry pick. God gives. God wills, God chooses, because again, remember whose church it is. It's God's church, and God's the one that's going to build the church. And we see the same thing in Ephesians 4 as it talks about the enabling grace, um, or I should say chapter 4, verse 7. There's an enabling grace given for the individual use of that gift for the benefit of the body that is based in the, the measure of Christ's gift. So it is a perfect gift because of who it comes from and who made it. It is a tailored gift because he had you in particular in mind. And even if you don't think that you have the ability to use that gift for the particular way in which God has you to put it forth in the body, then you need to trust the one who's given the gift and realizes that you're growing in that gift. If you would have heard me when I first started preaching and I was reading my sermons, you probably would have gotten up and walked out. I'd hope not, but am I going to continue to improve? Yes, by God's grace. 
He's continuing to tailor the gift that he has given me just like he will tailor the gift that he has given to you. And for a particular purpose, and this is the third point, is that it is a productive gift. It's perfect, it's tailored, it's productive. You're right there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, look at verse 7. It says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? The common good. See, it's good because of the God who is good, equipping his children who are good because of him, because of his son, that those gifts be for all of our benefit. So when I'm exercising my spiritual gift to the glory of God, by the power of God, then it's for all of our good because I belong to you. And the same is true with you, that you have a gift, each and every one of you, the gift that you never retire from and you're never too young to use. We have a gift being exercised right here this morning. <laughs> it's great. See, the thing is, when we do it God's way, God blesses. When we try and do it man's way, then who knows what can happen. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, As each has received a gift, which everyone has, use it to serve yourself. No, it doesn't say that. It says, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So in other words, God has varied the gifting in Ellington Baptist Church for a particular time, for a particular purpose, for a, a goal that he has for our church family. And it says here that we are to use it to serve one another. See, it takes the focus off of us. Well, I'm just not adequate. I, I don't think I can do it because I'm worried about what people may think of me, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You, you fill in the blank of the excuse. But see, that's the flesh talking. And when we don't use our gift that God has given us that has workmanship, it has his handprint on it, then we're grieving God because he's given it for a particular purpose. It reminded me of Pastor Caden when he preached on the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. If you can see the association or the parallel there. Now, your gift, let me say from the very beginning, is not a talent. It's not like a talent at all. I want you to see the principle here. Because you remember that the one servant was given five, the other two, and the other one. The one with five doubled it to ten, the one with two doubled it to four, and the one with one buried it in the ground because he feared the master, because he really didn't know the master. You can see the same principle in relation to our spiritual gifting. Do we use our spiritual gifting to serve one another because we've received a gift from the God who is holy and good as a good steward of that varied grace? Because if we do, God's going to double it. He's going to use it in ways you never thought because he's looking for willing vessels, obedient vessels for his glory to show you things, to show the power of the Holy Spirit in and through you. See, the, the one servant that hid the one town in the ground did so because of fear. But there may be some of you here this morning that don't know what your spiritual gift is. Maybe have never used your spiritual gift. Or maybe you're, you're, you're actually using what you think is your spiritual gift, but maybe it's not. 
because you're trying to make it something that it, God never intended it to be because you really like to be able to do this over here when God's saying, no, I'm going to stretch you and you're going to be over here. Don't hide your gift out of timidity or spite or laziness or lack of knowledge or trust. See, God tailored it for you, not for you to look in the mirror and look at yourself and say, hey, I look really good. Might have a little lint on my shoulder, but that's okay. He tailored it so that you could use it to be a blessing to this body of believers because you are members of it and you belong to the rest of this church family. The last thing I'd like to say in relation to this productive gift is the fact that we can use it in one of two ways. We can use it in the power of and insistence of the Holy Spirit who lives in every genuine believer, or we can do it in the power and the strength of the flesh. Because we do have gifting in multiple areas. I mean, one of the things that, you know, uh, people said about me when I was in Alaska is I had many hats that I wore because I am a a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Well, see, the thing is, is, you know, we, we, we can do things because we have a gifting or a talent that we think that maybe that's what God is going to use. It doesn't mean he is. When I went to be a missionary in Alaska, I was going because I had a, a heart and a desire for the gospel to go forth to the people of Alaska. I had no clue that I would end up actually pastoring a church or eventually moving from Alaska and moving to Connecticut to pastor Ellington Baptist Church. But I followed God's leading. And as you follow God's leading and you do things in his power and for his glory, then God blesses in ways you never imagined. He can give you the confidence to overcome any objection you may have to be using your spiritual gift for the benefit of the body because you're not supposed to just wear it and look at yourself and say, I look great. This gift is tailored for someone else. You wear it, but it's for somebody else. Reminded me of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 and following. It says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus, because it is Jesus' church. He is the one who shed his precious blood and bought and purchased his bride. So it belongs to him. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved only, but only as through fire. So the point being is that we can even use the gifting that God has given to us in our own flesh. You know, part of being a pastor is, is I have the privilege, the honor, and the joy to be in the Word of God a lot. But I can do all of that as if it's an exercise, as a pursuit in knowledge, or see pastoring as a job and do it in my own flesh. 
So the thing is, I have to make sure that I'm, I'm feeding myself first. That I am not pulling from an empty well or pulling from the flesh. I need to do it in the power of the Spirit. That being likened to that gold, silver, and precious stones. Because when we exercise our spiritual gift in the power of the Spirit for the glory of God, then stand back and watch God work. Because he will bring all of us together. He will help us to be able to face whatever challenges may come against the church, which we live in a day and age where there's been challenge after challenge after challenge. Because it says in the last days, men will be lovers of self rather than lovers of God. So everything that we look at and we see in the news headlines and everything of that sort, we should not be surprised. But what can get us through all of that is when we come together as a church family and see that we belong to one another because of the the blood of Christ that has purchased each and every one of us, God will be our defender. His word will do its great work. And as you minister one to another, God will bless you. That's how God works. And if you do it for yourself, then you're just going to bless yourself and miss out on what God has for you. Let me close with an illustration as we consider these diverse gifts that are perfect, tailored, and productive. It always pays to serve the Lord. It may not always seem to pay off here, but in eternity, everyone who loves and serves the Lord will spend forever glad that they did. Everyone who did not love and serve the Lord will spend eternity wishing they had. A missionary couple returned after many years of faithful service in Africa. It so happened there was a very important diplomat also on the same ship. When the ship arrived, this couple stood back and watched as the band played and the people had gathered and there was a great applause with a huge banner that read, Welcome Home. As the diplomat walked down the gangplank and was whisked off in a lovely limousine, this dear fellow put his arm around his wife and he walked off with her. Honey, he said, it just doesn't seem right after all of these years that we would have this kind of treatment. And here this fellow gets welcomed home that way. She put her arms around her husband and said to him, but honey, we're not home yet. When you get discouraged and are tempted to wonder if it really pays to serve the Lord, remember yourself that when we get home, it will all be worth it. And see, we have the privilege as this local body of believers, as Ellington Baptist Church, to show the rest of the world that we love one another and that the gifting that God has given to us for the particular time and season that we are in That he can do amazing and mighty things when we surrender to him and do things in the power of his spirit, even if it means stepping out of our comfort zone, realizing that God is the one who tailored that gift for you. And he didn't tailor it so that you could just admire it. He tailored it so that you would use it. It would be productive. Knowing that there is a day coming, and even as Paul said waiting for those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So be a blessing. If you don't know what your spiritual gift is, then you need to pay close attention in the weeks to come. 
and pray that God will show you what it is because you do have a gifting. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are a son or daughter of the king, he has tailored for you a perfect gift meant to bless this body. And so do so for the glory of God. Amen.